this morning, uh, I want to continue talking about uh, the gifts uh, that are in Scripture. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk today about the gifts of the Father. I'm going to move and start talking about the second list of gifts. I'm going to start talking about the gifts of the Father. And, uh, you know, before I do, I just think it's important to note that we live in some pretty interesting times. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> you know, uh, you look on, you turn on the TV and you're like, wow, that's weird. Wow, that's weird. Oh, that's weird too. You know, and uh, look, that's happening over there. This is happening over there. You know, I think the world's always been a little weird. Uh, we just haven't had the ability to bring all the weirdness into your television or your laptop or your phone 24-7. Now you can see all the weirdness at the same time all over the world, whereas you were just, you know, oblivious and, and, and blissful in your ignorance before. But now it's all there coming into your inbox every day, right? And uh, so you know all the weird stuff that's going on in the world, right? And uh, the interesting thing is that Peter, though, wrote two letters in the New Testament a couple thousand years ago, and he wrote about the challenging times in his day, and yet it sounds like he was writing to us today. Very interesting. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of issues that we're facing. Listen to what he had to say. First Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, and uh, put it up on the screen here for you. 1 Peter 4, uh, and it says, But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. How many know if he was telling everybody to be serious and watchful in prayer because it looked like the end of all things was at hand then, it sounds like talking about today, doesn't it? And how, what was his admonition to respond to that? He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, the passage that we often quote from there is, is verse 8, and uh, where it says, love covers over a multitude of sins. We like that passage, and we, we quote that often. But this is an interesting piece of advice we get in verse 10. As each one has received a gift, uh, he says, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me break that down into a few statements. As each one. Everybody say, each one. Each one. Who's each one? Say, it's me. It's me. Everybody say, it's me. As each one has received a gift. Say that, has received a gift. So each one, who's got a gift? Say again, me. me. Wow, see a common thread here? Praise the Lord. Minister it to one another. Everybody say that, minister it to one another. So who's supposed to do that? Me. me. And who are we supposed to do it to? Woo, not bad. You guys are sharp today. Can't put anything past you. As good stewards... Who's supposed to be the good steward? Me. Me. Of the grace of God. Who's the recipient of God's grace? Me. Me. Amen? You know, Peter makes some profound statements. Each one of us has received a gift. Everybody's received a gift, and we're to minister it to one another. 
We're to minister it to one another. And it, that ministry of it to one another is about stewardship. It's about taking care of what God's given you. And what's he given you? He's given you a gift. He's given you a gift. Everyone, everybody say me. I've got a gift. I'm gifted. Come on, say it with conviction. I'm gifted. That's right. You are gifted. Praise the Lord. All right. So when Peter says everyone has a gift, um, the difference here, the distinction here between this list of gifts that we're going to talk about and we're going to look at and the ones Peter's referring to here and the gift that we looked at from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that in 1 Corinthians, the scripture is very clear that those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, the nine gifts of the Spirit, are resident within the Holy Spirit. And in there it said, and he gives them as he determines. So when there's a need, someone operates in that gift. But this set of gifts we're going to look at today, these are ones, I call them the gifts of the Father, because he's placed them in you, and it's yours. It's your gift. And it's something that you possess, it's been stamped into your life, and you'll, as you understand the nature of the gift, you'll observe people that don't know Jesus operating in their gift, oftentimes maybe using it for personal or selfish gain, but still operating in the gift because the gift was given to them by God, right? And God even says in the scripture that the gifts and the calling of God are given without what? In other words, he didn't change his mind about it. He doesn't go, oh, I shouldn't have given Desi that gift. No, he never says that. Instead, he's constantly just trying to get us to bring that gift and bring it underneath his heart and underneath his nature so that we use it for him for the purposes that Peter said in the scripture, to encourage one another, to build one another, to minister to one another. God's given us a gift to do that with. So where is this list of gifts that we're talking about? This list of gifts that we're to minister to one another, this list of gifts given to us by God's grace that we possess, it's in Romans chapter 12. Turn there with me this morning, Romans 12. Move ahead to that. Romans chapter 12. And it says this, it says, uh, just as each of us, just as each of us has one body with many members, I think I actually have that scripture here for you just a second. There we go. Uh, and those members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Doesn't that sound familiar? Just read that in Peter. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Cheerfully. That's quite a list, isn't it? Amen? Prophecy or prophesying. Uh, and if you read books on these gifts, many call this the gift of the perceiver, somebody who can, by the Holy Spirit, perceive there's a need and speak into that need, uh, serving, teaching, encouraging, or some people would call it exhorting, uh, giving, uh, and then leadership. Some books call it the gift of administration, but le leadership in the body of Christ. And then showing mercy. Some people call that the gift of compassion. So I want to just take a a brief look at each one of these and help you understand these gifts 
and how they operate in the body of Christ. So the gift of prophecy is one of the gifts listed here. And isn't it interesting that this is the only gift, the prophetic gift that appears in all three lists of gifts in Scripture? Isn't that interesting? Remember how we talked about, Paul said, earnestly desire the gifts, but especially that you would what? Prophesy, right? So there's a gift of the Holy Spirit that can come upon anybody, and we can prophesy. And so we even practiced it in church at the end of the service when I talked about the gift of prophecy, about getting together with somebody and, and, and just asking Holy Spirit for a word of encouragement for that life. And as we speak that word of encouragement into their life, as we seek to build them up with something that we don't know in our own mind, but Father just drops it into our spirit and we release it, it builds that person up. And that's why it's pretty hard to go wrong with that gift if your goal is to encourage, edify, to build up, to strengthen, right? And so even if you go, the person goes, well, I don't know what that was in relationship to, but thanks, you know, uh, they're going to be able to say that because they felt built up. They felt encouraged by that gift in operation uh, over their life. So anybody can operate 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, chapter 12, gift of prophecy, because that prof- a gift is within the Holy Spirit, and he can give it to us when we need to operate in it. Amen? But some people have a gift of prophecy. Some people, uh, and that's why we, just to help uh, simplify things, instead of using the same word in all three gift sets, some authors and some books will change it to the gift of perceiver, but it's a gift where we recognize by the Holy Spirit uh, where people's hearts are at. You ever met those people that they're intuitive about other people's emotional and, and, and spiritual status. I admit that's not my gift, right? I'm a typical dude, you know. Uh, oh, something's wrong? You need to tell me, you know what I mean? Uh, but some people just have that gift, and, and they, they seem to be able to zero right in on the fact that there is a need in your life and that they're able to, to speak to that. How many have met people like that? Come on, be honest. Sure you have. And uh, that gift of perceiver is that, is that gift where it doesn't necessarily mean you hold the office of a prophet, but it's more than just the gift of prophecy that anybody can operate in, but it's, it's a, an ability that you, you seem to have been born with, that you carry in your DNA, and you can sit down with somebody and you can just perceive instantly that there's something going on and that God is going to use you to address that in that person's life. That's a gift. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, all of these gifts that we're going to talk about this morning, you can see them in operation in the world in the unredeemed. Someone was asking me this week about mediums and about psychics. And I said, I believe there are people who've been given the gift of prophecy, but they haven't brought it underneath Christ. They have a gift that they were born with, that God stamped their heart with, and it's being used maybe for personal gain or for personal satisfaction. It might even be being used because they genuinely want to help people. But God would say, if you bring that to me and you give your life to me, then we can partner together and make that thing really effective. Amen? Where it can really build people up. But every one of these gifts, you'll notice that there's people out there that don't even know Jesus yet. And they're operating this because it's stamped into our heart by the Father. It's a gift of the Father. It's about who we were made to be. The second one is the gift of server. Somebody likes to serve others. A doer. How many doers have I got in the room? Come on, you can be honest. 
Don't worry, everybody's not going to come pick on you afterwards and say, hey, listen, I got a deck in my house that needs to be built. You're a doer, right? Let's get that done. Uh, but, you know, doers are, are doers. And, and it's part, certainly one of my, part of my nature, I'm a doer. You know, I walk in on a Sunday morning, and before I can greet everybody and, and, and work the room and everything else like Mark does, I got to make sure the screens are on. I got to turn the computers on. I got to make sure the pro presenter's on. I got to get all this stuff on because I'm a doer, right? I have to be doing. Once all the doing's done, then I can go, hey, how are you this morning, right? How many doers have I got in the room? All right. Yeah, exactly. I like doers. I like doers. We get along well. You know, we're just like, we can find a project and we can sink our teeth into it because we're doers and we get things done. Uh, then there's teachers, one who loves to research, communicate the truth, whether that truth's biblical or not. You ever met somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but they know everything else, right? You ever met that kind of person? Probably an unredeemed teacher. You know, they, they carry information and facts on just about everything. And, uh, and, and they're absolutely right about everything. You ever, you ever find those kind of people? <laughs> Some of you are saying, well, pastor, aren't you a little bit like that too? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, then there's the exhorter, one who loves to encourage others uh, to live a more successful, victorious life, always just speaking encouragement. Does anybody know anybody like that in the room? You know, just loves to build people up. How are you today? You know, uh, just telling them how they look good, bringing them up on stage, showing off their black shirts, you know. Uh, that kind of gift is needed in the body as well. And, and, and I can guarantee you, even before Mark knew Jesus, he was like that. He was like that because it's stamped into his nature. God made him that way, right? Praise the Lord. You might also find uh, exhorters make good salespeople, right? You ever find somebody who's in sales? They just love sales. Why do they love sales? Because they love people. They just love to be able to get in there and, and work with them. And, and you, know, I, you know, probably every successful car salesman is meant to be an exhorter in the kingdom of God and has been given that gift of exhortation, that gift of encouragement, you know? And uh, they're, they're just, they're needed in the body of Christ. Then we have the giver, one who loves to give. And it can be, I guess, of more than time and money, but really what the scripture is speaking about here is, is those who give financially, those who, who contribute to the needs of others. Now, you know, I don't know how else to put that, except you're contributing to the needs of others. And there's some people just love to give. They're givers. And one of the things I've noticed about givers is that givers tend to prosper. Because the scripture says, give and it will come back to you, Right? Well, yes, pastor, but that's actually talking about forgiveness. I know that, but it's still a principle, right? Doesn't the Bible say you can't outgive God, right? That God is the ultimate giver, and so when, well, one author said we're never more like Jesus than when we give. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and his son gave his life willingly on the cross for every one of us. Giving is at the heart of God, and it's it's. Sure, you can be a giver and not know Jesus, but I would say you can't really know Jesus and not be a giver. You got to be able to give. That may not be your spiritual gift that every time the curtain falls, you're looking for an opportunity to give and just throwing money at that thing. But, but some people have that gift in the body of Christ. And when they walk in their gift, they, they have a tremendous impact on other people's lives. Another word, though, maybe to help sort that out rather than just, well, just give, give, give is a contributor or maybe even a better word as an investor. 
somebody, this gift is about people who invest in kingdom things, kingdom work. They're not just giving willy-nilly, but they, they want to invest in people. They want to invest in ministries. Uh, I find missions giving is often, you know, givers are the ones who come up and respond to that because they, they want to invest in that particular need that you see uh, overseas or in a different mission area. And then there's the gifts of administration. Uh, this is somebody who loves to, you know, lead groups or administrate things, figure out how it's supposed to work, uh, organize, uh, facilitate, all that kind of stuff. And many of you have that gift as well. And you love, right, Christy? Okay, uh, the, the, the youth, I got to tell you this. We had such a good laugh in the office this week because my daughter brings in this piece of paper, and, well, it was multiple pieces of paper, and she says, you have to see this. I said, okay, what is it? She said, this is Christy's, Christy's schedule for, for the weekend with a group of youth. She had a schedule. Not only did she have a schedule, but she said, you know, at 1.06 p.m., we're going to be doing this. At 1.06, not 1 o'clock, not 1.05 even, no, 1.06. There was a 6 there. Yeah. <laughs> and so she had the, the drive figured out. She goes, and I didn't just figure it out how long it was going to take us to get to Ottawa, you know. I figured it out online from what it would take us that day, at that time of day. Great. <laughs> But that's the gift of administration at work, amen? And how many know that if someone like is going to be taking, like and she is a nurse, and is going to be giving you their medica- your medication, it's nice to have somebody that is a good administrator, right? So, right? Hello? You want to be given the right amount, you know? Uh, and somebody who's an administrator is going to give it on time and the right amount, and you're going to be good. Amen? How many are happy for that gift? I'm glad Mark's not a doctor. I think that would be, uh, his bedside manner would be fantastic, but you might be laying there, you know, like this. But, uh, <laughs> well, you look well today, you know. Uh, <laughs> different gifts for different jobs, amen. <laughs> oh, and then finally, there's the gift of compassion, right? The gift, and I find it interesting, that gift of compassion showing mercy, that Paul says, let them do it cheerfully. See, I've, I've, I've met lots of people. I have a compassionate side to me as well, right? But I come home from a day where I'm being compassionate, where I'm doing counseling and I'm working with people and I'm pouring my heart out, right? I come home and I'm like, I am wore right out. I am, I'm wore out. Even though God gives me the ability to come alongside someone and to work with them and to love on them, that, but, but I don't come home energized from it. But the person has the gift of compassion, the gift of showing mercy, comes home bubbling over. Guess what I got to do today, right? You know, and people who are, are truly counselors, people get energized from helping others to carry their burdens and administer mercy are, are people who can come home and smile after a whole day of that. That... That's somebody who's got a gift. You know what I'm saying? We're all going to be, we're all called to be merciful, right? But the person who has the gift is somebody who gets energized from the action of ministering to others the gift of mercy. You see the difference? And so even though we, we're all called upon, mercy is one of the divine natures of Christ. He's merciful, and we're to emulate God in his mercy. 
But some people are going to get energized from the exercise of that gift because that's the gift that they have. Amen? Now, there's some great people that have written books on this, and we've done these gifts before, and uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time going over all of these gifts. But, uh, and you can do surveys, you know, um, like personality profile type surveys, and you can figure out what your gift is. And we, uh, and if you'd like one of those, we'd love to, if you've not taken it before, we can have those for you next week. I just need to know how many would like that. And so if you would just uh, talk to Mark after the service, and uh, Mark's going to take down everybody's names, and we'll, and anyone who would like that's not taken it before, we can get you a copy of that. And you'll be able to go, hey, now I understand myself better. And it's also helpful because it helps you understand why some people annoy you in the body. <laughs> because they're not wired the same as you, right? And so uh, sometimes certain people's personalities or the way they're gifted can be an annoyance to you because that's not the way you're wired and the way you're gifted. So you look at them and go, mm, man, I just don't understand that person. But when we understand the nature of the calling that's on their life, and we, we start helping that per person to be used in that gifting and calling, man, they just come to life. Amen? It's all about not putting our, you know, a square peg in a round hole, but helping people work in areas and to function in areas where God has called them. Now, what I want to do this morning to, to kind of wrap things up is, is I want to give you a, a little bit of context for the operation of these gifts, these uh, what are called the manifestation gifts of God's nature, or the compassion gifts, or the gifts of uh, you know of God, the gifts of the Father, how we're to operate in those. Um, and, and, and so I want to back up in Romans to chapter twelve, to verse one, and I want to look there this morning. I want you to see the context in which Paul gave this list of gifts. Because how many know biblical context is important, right? When, you, when you're studying something in Scripture and you want to understand what it means, look at it in its context. If you read something in a book and the, a statement, a statement might not make any sense to you, but when you look at it in its context, it usually will come to understand what they were talking about. Well, here we're going to do the same thing. So go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and Paul starts out and he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies... And I'm reading this from the Amplified, by the way. Dedicating all of yourselves, set apart, as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, and he goes logical or intellectual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think uh, more highly of yourself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. For just as in one physical body we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use, so we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually, we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. There's a few points I want to bring out of this passage that help us to understand the operation of these gifts. First of all, every believer 
Paul tells us in the first verse is to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. We're to take the gift that God's given us and we're to offer it to Christ with our life as a living sacrifice. He gave you that gift. He, he created you that way. He shaped you that way so that you would offer yourself back to him as a living sacrifice. At the end of the day, all I can give to God is myself. I mean, the Bible makes it plain that everything on the earth is, is his. He made it all, right? It's not like you can buy your way into heaven. He's wealthier beyond imagination. What's he need with your chump change, right? Not like I can be good enough to get into heaven. He's already perfectly good. He's not going to be impressed by my goodness, right? All that I have to offer to God is myself. I have this package that he created, and I can offer that to him in his service. And that's the ultimate thing that I can do. And so in the, the context of these gifts, Paul's, in the verses leading up to it, he's, he's saying, this is your gift, now offer that to me as a living sacrifice. Second thing he points out in this passage is that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we do this? By the word of God, when we prayerfully and when we study the scripture, when that Bible becomes something living in our spirit, it moves from being logos, Greek word for the Bible or for scripture in the, in the Bible, it means many other things, but it's one of the words for Bible or for scripture. It moves from being logos to being rhema, it's another word for scripture. Logos is the written text, the, the biblical text, all of it inspired by God, but rhema is when something gets hold of your life becomes living and quick. You know, in Hebrews, when it talks about the word of God is, is active, able to divide between joint and the, the, the word it uses there is rhema. That, that it's able to oof, get in there and, and, and do that work is alive in our spirit. So it's by studying the word that our mind is renewed and the scripture moves from being logos to rhema in our life. Thirdly, Paul is speaking to us that that somebody who has a transformed life or mind needs that because if we're going to operate in these gifts... We can't think of ourselves more highly than somebody else. You see, you read that verse and you think he's talking about just don't be arrogant or be proud. No, no, no. If you read it in context, he's about to unload about the operation of gifts and how we're gifted in the body of Christ. And so what's he saying? Don't think your gift is better than somebody else's. Hello? Isn't that important? Don't think that how God made you is better than how he made somebody else. That when we have an attitude that, that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, then it gives us that ability to not think of ourselves as in our giftings and our abilities and how we've been wired as something better than somebody else. That we've all individually been crafted by God to work together to advance His kingdom. Amen? Then Paul points out that there are different gifts just as there are different parts of a body. So in other words, your gift is part of something bigger. Your gift is part of something much bigger, the body of Christ. And then Paul finishes off that portion leading up to the gifts by reminding us that each member belongs to the other. This is so important. We live in in a world today where we have so many Christians that have, you know, hurt in the church. I understand that. I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I've been hurt more than once. 
I can tell you that. It happens. And if you've went to church any length of time in your life, you've been hurt by the body. Because the body's made up of people, imperfect people. And people hurt people. And hurt people hurt people even more. Hello? Am I making any sense to anybody? So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But there's a trend that people think they can live their Christianity and not be part of any church. That's a lie from the pit. Not reinforced anywhere in Scripture. There's no Lone Ranger section of the New Testament. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together, as some are in the habit of doing, but all the more as you see the great day approaching. All of these passages where we talk about, where we're, we're told in the Scripture that we're one part of a larger part, that we're all to knit together, that as iron sharpens iron, so does one person's countenance sharpen another. I mean, the Scripture over and over and over again reinforces the fact that we are part of a family and that that family is to care for and minister to one another. And so the notion that you can be a Christian and just do your own thing is a lie from the pit. You got to be tied in. You got to be tied in. It's just the way God made us. You know, when you see a family where they never talk to each other and they never see each other and they're never together, we have a word for that. It's called dysfunctional. And if that's how you're living your Christianity, isolated from the others in the body of Christ, it's called dysfunctional. You can be a Christian, but you're a dysfunctional Christian. Hello? As imperfect as we is, we is, and we're here for you to love. Hallelujah. And guess what we'll do in return? We'll love you as imperfect as you are. Because we're all tied together. We're all part of one body, tied together in Jesus' name. Amen? We're not meant to live this thing out by ourselves. Now, I realize that there's seasons in your life where maybe you're, you're not able to get out because of a health problem or whatever, but that's when you call on the body of Christ. And the Bible says that you call the elders of the faith together and the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and then you can get back out to fellowship with the body again. Amen? That's what the Bible says. We belong to each other. And I've met many people that say, you know, but pastor, I, I'm fine on my own. I said, well, you know, you're, you're right, you might be. You might be fine on your own. Uh, but have you ever asked yourself if that's the right attitude to have? You know, I'm, I'm fine on my own. Well, who said it was about you? You might be fine on your own, but maybe you're supposed to be there to minister to somebody else. And they're not fine without you. Hello? One of the best analogies I ever got for the body of Christ was a bicycle wheel. A bicycle wheel is made up of these individual spokes that it's a crazy design when you think about it, but each spoke by itself, I guess, has some purpose. I haven't figured out what it would be. But when you put them all together in the wheel, the outer rim of that wheel can bear an enormous amount of weight. I, 200 pound me, can get on a bike with these little thin little pieces of metal, and that wheel doesn't collapse. The whole thing's held together by these little individual spokes. And you know, you could pick a, take a pair of side cutters, you can cut one of those spokes, rip it out, and that wheel's still going to be rolling along. You can cut two, three out. It's still going to roll along, but 
imperceivably, perceptibly, I should say, that tire, that wheel is weaker. And the bike's going down the road and hits a big rock, and all of a sudden, the wheel collapses because several of the spokes were missing. And, and it's a good analogy because if one spoke by itself, the person says, I can, do it, I can do it all by myself. One spoke by itself is useless. It's not supporting anything. But all the spokes together make for a perfect wheel, one that can bear an enormous amount of weight and strain, stress, impacts, all kinds of stuff. But if you start pulling the pieces out, it's weakened. And I think the status of the church today in North America is it's weakened. We have a hard time with the impacts of life because too many of the spokes have been cut out. And I believe God's calling the spokes back to the body. By yourself, you're not really accomplishing much anyway. Time to tie back in. It's time to come back and strengthen the church with your presence. Strengthen the body. Build one another up. All the more as we see the great day of his return approaching. And I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Could be another thousand years. Could be tomorrow. But I know I'm 2,000 years closer to it than when the writers of the New Testament wrote what they wrote. I'd be a lot closer than they were. And they felt like it was imminent. So if they felt like it was imminent, it's probably really imminent for us. Amen? And, and so as we see that day approaching, then what do we need to do? We need to pull in tight together. We need to restore people to the body. We need to bring people back into the fold. We need to welcome the prodigals back. We need to open up their arms and welcome folks back into the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter if they hurt you. It doesn't matter if they said something that made you grumpy yesterday. It doesn't matter. You need to love them back into the kingdom because the kingdom needs them and they need the kingdom. Amen? I want to close with a, an illustration from Israel. How many have ever been to Israel? Israel has two seas, right? The Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake, and the Dead Sea, right? And I've swam in both of them. I've been privileged to, you know, uh, be in both of those seas, Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The contrast between the two seas is incredible. One is filled with life, and the other one's dead. And the difference, the main di they're both, by the way, below sea level. They're, like, they're both in incredibly the, uh, low places, so you would think there's stuff flowing in, right? For sure, because they're low. The difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee is that while they're both receive water in, the Dead Sea never lets water out. It has no outlet. Sea of Galilee does. Has water coming in from the mountains and then has rivers down, out to the Jordan and, and, it, and it has outlets. But this Dead Sea has no outlet. It's down in an area where it's dry, the waters come in, and then the, the water evaporates and the chemicals are left. So the water that's there is filled with harsh, high salt content, harsh chemical sulfur. You can go in and lie on top of the water, it's so dense with, with heavy metals and stuff that you can lay on top of the thing and read a newspaper. Cross your legs and you'll still float. But nothing can live in it. And they're an incredible picture of the Christian life. When you have life coming into you, 
and you let light and you let life flow through you out to other people, then you stay alive. But if you're always taking in and never giving out, eventually you become stagnant. You become as dead as the Dead Sea. God never intended us to be like that. He intended us to be like the Sea of Galilee, where there's life coming in, there's things coming in, and there's and life coming out from us all the time. And that's who we are. And we stay alive and we stay invigorated because we're always going to Jesus and taking in, and then we're always going to be giving out, using our gift and who God made us to be, to give and to give and to give of ourselves for the body of Christ. Amen? And that way, when we do that, the body of Christ grows. The body of Christ is, is empowered. The body of Christ is able to reach its full potential because it's alive. It's not dead. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Next week, Father Ken Gill is going to be here with us. Hallelujah. So make sure you invite some friends out, some enemies, uh, somebody that appreciates a nice shirt, you know, because uh, Ken will be sporting one for sure, and uh, get them out here to the house of the Lord next uh, Sunday. And uh, then the week after that, I'm going to continue talking about uh, these gifts, and I want to talk about how you can reach your full potential in a couple weeks. But Ken's going to be here next Sunday, and I don't want you to miss it, all right? And uh, so make sure you've, you've blocked off some time in the morning to be here. And uh, I just want you to know how grateful we are for all the, the, the investment that people made this week in prayer. And I believe prayer moves the hand of God, divinely. You know, some people are fatalists, believe everything's just going to happen as it's supposed to happen. No, 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 I believe that God has invited us to be co-laborers with him and that and he has chosen to work through us here on earth. And we can either be conduits or we can be a dam, right? We can be filled with life and let life flow through us or we can sit there and stagnate. And God has said, I'm going to move my kingdom, but I'm going to do it through you. Amen? And so as you gather tonight at Maranatha, we're going to have an awesome time. And uh, it is going to be a tremendous celebration. We're looking forward to it. But I want you to just hold your hands out like this this morning to the Lord. <clears throat> and oftentimes I say hold your hands out like this because God's going to put something in. But God's already put something in. This morning you're offering it back to him. You guys have all been gifted in one of these gifts this morning. Everybody. The Bible says each person has a gift. And you need to offer it to the Lord this morning. So, Father, today in Jesus' name, we, we hold out what you have given to us. Father, we hold out uh, all the different gifts that were listed here this morning. We, we know that in one way or another, we have been fashioned and shaped to be able to operate in that gift in the body of Christ. And so we stand in your presence this morning. We hold that gift out to you. and We say, God, here it is. Here am I. Choose me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Take what I have been given from you and put it to work in the kingdom of God. And for areas where we've been sitting on it and we've been holding back, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness this morning. We ask for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we pledge today to take what you've given to us and use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And Father, we thank you that, Lord, it's that simple, that as we use what you've given us, Lord, we make a difference in the world and the world is transformed. And Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.